Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. Happy summer. Happy summer. Although it's almost over. (laughs) Almost finished summer. (laughs) I'm Carrie. I'm Kelly. And And we're we're identical twins. twins. So we're in, you know, towards the end of August here. Yes. I imagine people are already back to school. In Massachusetts, we go back to school a little bit later. Yes. The summer is winding down. And guess what else is winding down? Season three. Mm-hmm. I hope you've enjoyed this season so I know, far. Don't be sad. <laughs> so we have two episodes left this yep. week and next week. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, thanks everybody for being on this hymn journey with us. Yes. Now, we've dropped some clues. Mm-hmm. We have another hymn that was written on foreign soil. Yes. Yes. <laughs> another translation. Yeah. So we love that. And this is another one that's super old. I feel like season three hasn't been full of like old, old ones. Right. Yeah, right. So right. this is good. All right. You ready to tell them what it is? Yes. Let's tell them. This week's hymn is Praise, Praise to, to the, the Lord, Lord the, the Almighty. We got inspiration from our good friend, William Long. Cheers. <laughs> so, yeah, he, we interviewed him when we did Tis So Sweet to Trust mm-hmm. in Jesus. That was episode 33. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about this Reawaken Hymns. Right. Reawaken Hymns. It's this online ministry to just update and contemporize. And keep the hymns popular today. Right, right. These old hymns, they, they can still be played today. So we were like, okay, we have to meet this person because oh, that's yeah. our goal in life. That's our goal. Yeah. So that's exactly what he's doing. His name is Nathan Drake. Mm-hmm. And he is releasing his newest project on September 1st. Right. And in his project, there's 20 hymns. And one of them is... Praise Praise to the the Lord, the the Almighty. Almighty. So he's going to be here on the podcast a little bit later on to talk about his project. Mm -hmm. We're going to, hello, hear him perform it, which I think is amazing. And you're going to hear this like contemporary setting. Right. He does a great job. Right. So this is an old hymn from like 1680. And he plays it with his electric guitar and makes it sound so contemporary. And we love it in our church. Actually, you want to know a little fun fact about this hymn? It is hymn number one. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. In our hymnal. So funny. Number one. I mean, the editors of our hymnal, which is the worship hymnal, decided, I mean, you have to give some hymn this place of honor. Number one, the first hymn in the whole book, and our hymn editors of the the worship hymnal decided to do... Praise Praise to the the Lord, Lord, the Almighty. So it's number one. It's also a great hymn for the opening of worship. In fact, it says, you know, an opening hymn in a lot of publications. So it's funny that they picked the opening hymn to be number one. And sometimes when I pick it for the opening hymn, I feel like I'm like cheating a little bit. Like (laughs) I just opened the hymnal and picked the first one. (laughs) But that's not true. It's it's a great hymn when you when. We're going to talk so much about it. When you hear the hymnspiration, (laughs) 
and the Bible passages that it references. I mean, it's an awesome hymn. It could be used any week. Right. You know, it's not just the easy way out picking number one. No, it's a, <laughs> it's a great one. And we have loved learning about it. And I can see why Nathan Drake wanted to include right. it. Right. People should be singing this song. All right. right. So you're going to hear Nathan perform it later on in the episode. Mm-hmm. And he does it with his electric guitar, really contemporary. So we thought that we would start the episode performing it for you in a much more traditional way. Right. In a way that it was probably performed when it was first written. So we're going to do it on the pipe Pipe organ. organ. (laughs) All right, so I'm just going to play one time through so everyone can hear it, okay? Listen to the melody. Hopefully this tune is familiar to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. What do you think of that? I mean, does that sound like a hymn you would do in your church? Yeah, it, it just seems like the quintessential church hymn <laughs> on the pipe organ. Now, just here's a fun fact. I found performances of this hymn online on YouTube, and they're kind of milestone events for the royal family in right. England. So the hymn, Kelly, was played at Westminster Abbey at these two sort of milestone church services that they had. So in 2013, they had a service to celebrate the 60th anniversary of the coronation of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Wow. And they chose Praise to the Lord the Almighty to be played and sung. Aww. Also in 2020 at Westminster Abbey again at the Commonwealth Day Service, oh. March 9th of 2020. So these events were publicized, televised, and we have we have exactly how, you know, the hymn sounded those right. days, which I think is really cool. That is so neat. I mean, these are big celebrations, and they could have chosen any hymn. I think it's amazing that they chose that hymn. Yeah. And that pipe organ sounds a little different from the pipe organ that I just played. So if you really want to hear it, <laughs> I mean, big, huge pipe organ yes. at Westminster Abbey. We'll send out these links, yes. you know, through our social media so yep. that you can see it. So now I think we need to talk about this hymn writer. Yes. Uh, we have learned so much about the hymn writer. It was a name that I did not recognize. Carrie, had you recognized this name? No, not only did we not recognize him, but uh, like, I don't even know how to say it. Right. <laughs> So what's the name name is J-O-A-C-H-I-M. Right. And so I feel like I hear it nowadays and it's Joachim. Right. But I think that this is Germany. Right. In the 1600s. Right. I think the J was probably Y. Yes. Because of Johann, you know, Sebastian Bach, you know. So are we saying Joachim? Joachim? (laughs) I mean, I think that could be right. Joachim. 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 So his name as we know it is Joachim Neander. Right. Because we're not saying Joachim, which is what I said. So Joachim. Yeah. And that was not his real name. 
His real name was Joachim Newman. Okay. Newman literally means new man in German. Okay. But in those days, it was really common for people to have a Latinized or a Greek version of your name to literally just sound a little bit more highbrow. So his grandfather changed his name Newman, which means new man, to Neander, which actually means new man in Greek. Okay. And eventually, they used this word new man for a very old species neanderthal how weird is that okay and then his first name joakim <laughs> is actually a common one in this time period because according to christian mythology joakim is supposed to have been the name of jesus's maternal grandfather so, I mean, how is it pronounced in German? How is it pronounced in Hebrew? How is it pronounced nowadays in America? Like, who knows? I know. Joachim. So this is our guy. Yep. Joachim Neander with two very interesting names, mm -hmm. his first name and his last name, mm -hmm. um, New Man. Now, Neander, it's not just Neanderthal, like right. meaning New Man. The area where he lived, they actually named it Neander Valley. Because it was his family's land. Right. We actually have this Neander Valley. Right. And Kelly, in the Neander Valley, in a cave located by the Dussel River, we actually have learned that these fossils were discovered there. These ancient, ancient fossils and bones were discovered in the Neander Valley. And you guys, valley in German is T-H-A-L. So Neanderthal is literally... Neander, Neander Valley. Valley. And named after our guy. Our hymn writer. Joe Chim. <laughs> Joe Kim Neander. Yep. Amazing. Amazing. Another cool fun fact about Joachim Newman is that he was from Bremen, Germany. I'm, I'm not even sure if we say that correctly. B-R-E-M-E-N. Bremen. Bremen. Yep. And you guys might recognize Bremen from the Grimm's fairy tale, The Town Musicians of Bremen. Do you know that story, The Bremen Town Musicians? Yeah, I totally yeah. do. And actually, in Bremen, right. there's a statue dedicated to the musicians. Where's our captain? This is your captain. <laughs> I totally want to go see Bremen. So, I mean, you might have recognized Bremen and the animals from our clues this week, and we'll make sure that you see who it is. But basically, this tale tells the story of four aging animals <laughs> who, after a lifetime of hard work, are neglected and mistreated by their masters. I mean, do we know what happens to old and aging animals on a farm? Yeah. You know, the story doesn't end well for them. So they decide to run away and become musicians in the city of Bremen. <laughs> but a little bit of information that people don't know yeah. is that they never in the story arrive to Bremen. Why? They never get there because on their way, they succeed in tricking and scaring off a band of robbers, capturing their spoils and moving into the house. They That's never right. get to Bremen. That's right. I actually remember this. Yeah. So I, but I thought they were from Bremen, but no, they were trying to get, get to, Bremen. to Bremen. Oh, that's yeah. funny. I know. So I know. this is where um, Jochim Neander, <laughs> this is where he lives in the town of Bremen. Yeah. Let's hear a little bit about him. Are you ready? Joachim Newman was born in Bremen in 1650, and he was the eldest child of Johann Joachim Neander and Katharina Knipping. Hmm. <laughs> now, his father was the master at the school in Bremen. Mm -hmm. This school is called a pedagogium. Do you know that word? And I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. I know. But I looked it up. Words. It's just... 
and a lot of hard words, and neither of us speak German. <laughs> um, it's, it looks like it's an all boys school. Uh, he went through it. It's kind of like a middle school, high school. Yep. At age 16, he was done. And they say that he was riotous. Right. The quote that I found from him was that he was fond of questionable pleasures. He just is known for having this kind of wild lifestyle. I mean, I read a few articles and the titles were like the wild hymn writer or the wild one, the riotous one. Mm -hmm. He really has this reputation of turning his back on the church completely Mm -hmm. and doing whatever he wanted. Right. And at the age of 20, he walks into... St. Martin's Church. Church. Now, the St. Martin's Church is still there today. Yes. I think this church is beautiful. And the church really has done such a good job of honoring Neander and like telling his story. Right, right. You can find a lot of information about Neander. They have these beautiful stained glass windows Mm -hmm. that commemorate him. So this is in Bremen. He goes to this church. And honestly, the article that I read said that he went with his friends to like make fun of it. Oh yeah. They were totally going to just be silly scoundrels. Yeah. They were not going for noble purposes at all. But this minister, Theodore Unde Eich, his words were so moving that they actually swayed our guy, Joachim. And right there, he had a turning point in his spiritual life. He had a conversion. And I actually read that there was one other incident yeah. that kind of solidified this new conviction okay. um, during a hunting game. Did you find this in- no, story? No, tell me. So he had wandered far away into a steep and rocky hillside, and he realized that he was completely lost and that he was in a really dangerous situation. And in that moment, he prayed. And he said that if God would lead him to safety, then his future life would be dedicated to God's service. Oh. Yeah, and so apparently... Yeah, it was these two. He was saved, and he did completely turn his life around. I always wonder what those friends thought. The friends that they were going to the church to, like, make fun of it. And then all of a sudden, he's like, no, I actually really do believe. I believe all of this. Yeah. Yeah. So that church, St. Martin's, you could visit today, Cal. Yes. It was founded in 1229. Oh, my goodness. So old. Unfortunately, the late Gothic building really suffered a ton of damage. We actually have a picture of it we can share on social media Mm -hmm. in 1944 during World War II, and it was rebuilt. But what I think is amazing is that this man, Neander, goes to this church, has this conversion experience, and then he actually becomes this sort of unordained pastor of the church, and he has sermons that he's able to deliver. He actually goes back and works at this St. Martin's. Mm -hmm. Yep. He also worked as a rector of this Latin school in Dusseldorf. And it's there in Dusseldorf that he writes most of his hymns. And um, unfortunately, the school was under the control of the ministers and elders of the Reformed Church. And, you know, they say that this minister, this head minister Mm -hmm. named Sylvester Lurson, he was only a few years older. And they say that he was jealous and quarrelsome and the two of them did not get along. And he had a rough time at the school. It said that they were mad at him because he held prayer meetings of his own. <laughs> you know, instead of being like, oh, you want to hold prayer meetings? Right, Go you for do it. Your thing. Yeah. And then he persuaded others to follow him. Right. So there seems to be like there could have been some divisiveness there. And then he, he made people mad because he had exams on holidays. <laughs> you know, I, don't have the exam on the holiday, buddy. Oh, so They shouldn't even be in school. I know. So he ended up having all of these problems with Larson, the, the head guy, that he ended up being suspended. 
suspended from the school and from the pulpit for 14 days. So there's a rumor out there that in those 14 days, he lived in a cave. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they say that that is definitely not what happened. Not what happened. So he was able to go back and work for the school. It wasn't just the 14? He was, but eventually that Sylvester Lurson left the position and they didn't give him the job. So it was just like one thing after another, after another, after another. And so to kind of get away from all of that stress and anxiety, he would go on long walks. And this is where he would be known to go into this Neander Valley, Neanderthal. He would walk around. Um, The cave that we talked about is there. In fact, some people say that the praise to the Lord, the Almighty was written in the cave. How could we ever know that for sure? There's no way. It's kind of cool, though. He would, but he would go to these spots in the woods, in a valley, mm-hmm. um, near the Dusil River, and he would actually hold worship services there, so he would invite people with him, he would write his hymns, and he was kind of known for being this guy who wandered the, the, the valley. I mean, he definitely is like this rebel. I mean, he was a rebel. He was called the wild one, he was called the riotous one. Um, you look at people like that and you think, you know, he wasn't even really doing anything that bad. I mean, he really wasn't. And he is like the premier German reformed hymn writer. Okay. He is the first one. I mean, there's no one really before him in this area. So this praise to the Lord, the almighty is actually considered a hymn of the reformation because of its birth. Mm -hmm. It was, it was written right after the reformation ended the theme. And of course the place of origin, it was written in Germany. Mm Mm-hmm. He has 60 hymns. Right. They're all German. Right. And not all of them are translated into English. No. So it's not like we even know or any of them. And it's not like we could sing them for you. No, we have no way. No way. I mean, even this one, we only have it because of Catherine Wingworth's translation. Which which was 200 years later. Right. And we'll talk about her later. But yeah. yeah. So we found two other hymns that were translated into English that neither of us knew. Nope. Wondering if you guys know. Wondering if you know. So we thought we would share them with you. Okay, so let's show them. This is All All My My Hope Hope on God God is Founded. founded. These beautiful words by Jochim Neander. (laughs) Um, And of course, the tune is actually attributed to our guy, Jochim Neander. I mean, I don't think he wrote it. I just think the tune was so closely associated to him. I I think that's great, though. I know. All right, so let's show them. All All my hope on God God is founded. All my hope on God is founded. He doth still my trust renew. Me through change and chance he guideth. Only good and only true. God unknown, he alone, calls my heart to be his own. All right, what did you think? I mean, that's kind of cool. It is in a minor key. It is in a minor key. There's a musical nerd moment. M&M's, always fun. <laughs> See, M&M's, musical nerd moment. moment. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and I love that it ends in major. Did you all hear that? Right. All right, we have another one to show you. Right, and oh. this is so exciting. Right, because, of course, we would not have any of Neander's hymns in English if it weren't for... Catherine Winkworth. Winkworth. So she translated this one. Yep. And the music 
is by John, John Backus Dykes. <laughs> All right, here's a little pop quiz. All right, pop quiz for our listeners. What other hymns has John Backus Dykes written? We featured him on mm-hmm. two separate mm-hmm. episodes, and now this is a third. I mean, there's a lot that he's written, but we're, <laughs> we're only interested in the two that we've talked about. Yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> One was Holy, Holy, Holy. And the other, Eternal, Eternal Father, Father, Strong to Save. I mean, John Backus Dykes is amazing. I mean, and this is like a trio of talent right here. Oh, totally. And three people that we've spent a lot of time researching and talking about. So we have the hymn. It's called Thou Thou True God God Alone. Alone. And it's probably not that popular. I'm not sure any of you know it. It's published in three hymnals. Right. Right. Not super popular. I know, for these superstars who were working on it, how come it's not published one? All right, so we have Neander, Winkworth, and Dykes, but we're going to sing the second verse because we just love this, the words of the second verse. Yes, and you know what? The words remind me of Holy Holy, and the tune reminds me of Eternal Father. Yeah. So listen. And maybe we should do a recording and like share it in oh, the video. Oh, that would be so fun. So super cool. All things join with me. Earth and sky and sea to tell thy praises and thy fame abroad. Voices pure and clear, sounding far and near, proclaim how great the glory of the Lord. I mean, that's, I feel like that's so good. That's so fun. The first and the third verses are a little awkward. Yeah. The words are a little weird. I mean, the there's nothing wrong with the theology or no. anything. It's just kind of weird to sing. I mean, the third verse, it mentions crystal light. We should have a promotion for crystal light with this hymn. <laughs> but I still really like it. I still like it. The tune is great. And I think that second set of words is perfect. Me too. And yeah. we could totally do a video and let everybody decide what they think about the first and the third verses. I wonder if this hymn is more popular in Germany. Though. Okay. Yeah. Because course. there is like a kind of story that goes with it. According to dr- tradition, this hymn was written in the summer of 1677 in a cave in the Neanderthal near Dusseldorf while he was being punished and right. like forced to leave his school. So we know that? We, we know that this is written? That's the story. And actually, there's 12 different stanzas. Oh, maybe we should look at more of them. <laughs> I know. And the title was The Joys of Summer and Autumn in Field and Forest. And that's like the German t- title. Yes. And, and it's Catherine Winkworth. And they call it a traveling hymn wow. in summer or autumn. For those who, on their way to Frankfurt on the Main, go up and down the River Rhine, where between Cologne and Mainz, mountains, cliffs, brooks, and rocks are to be held with particular wonder. I mean, if we're there, Carrie, where's our captain? We're totally singing this hymn. But I mean, Kelly, I totally think that we should look at some of these other verses. I know. We should find all 12 and then pick like the three we like the best. (laughs) But I love the one we sang. I do love the one we sang. All right. So we have learned that Neander had a very interesting life. You know, one that wasn't always super easy. Um, But he actually ended up coming down with tuberculosis. He died young. It was 10 years after his conversion experience. And at the time, tuberculosis was incurable. And he expected his death to be imminent. 
But we read that through his suffering, his mind was stayed on God. It was through his sore coughs. Witnesses at his bedside heard him say, Rather will I hope on, even unto death, than be lost through unbelief. And witnesses at his bedside also heard him say through a thunderstorm, he cried out, I hear my father's voice. Would that it were his chariot wheels coming for me. Wow. Now, finally, on May 31st, when it looked like he was going to go very soon, um, the physician that was treating him asked him how he felt. And he said, now the Lord has made out my reckoning. And he quoted scripture. And soon afterwards, he just fell asleep and died. He was 30 years old, Carrie. It's amazing to me that he was so young, of course, but he was only a Christian for 10 years. I know. And he never saw any of his hymns get published. They were all published posthumously. Right. And we've said this before, but we wouldn't even have them if it weren't for Catherine Winkworth. Mm -hmm. Now, you guys... We, we're always telling you to go back and listen to episodes. I, know. I mean, Catherine Winkworth is just a treasure. Mm-hmm. Please go back and listen to episode 10, Now Thank We All Our God. She really is just this amazing woman. And right. to be honest with you, th- what, from what we read, we wouldn't even have the German hymnody that we do if it weren't for her. She translated 400 hymns from German to English, and these were written by more than 170 authors. Mm. Her work is one of the principal means by which the German chorale tradition uh, has been incorporated into English language worship. It is because of her. But that's not all she did. She spent her life advocating for women's rights and education. She helped the poor and impoverished. She wrote histories and biographies of German hymn writers. She, more than any other translator, was responsible for the revival of the English use of German hymns. Wow. So, I mean, we can just keep bragging about her. I know. You know, but if you have time and you haven't listened to it yet, please go listen to Now Thank We All Our God, Mm -hmm. episode 10. Now, she went to Clifton College, and the headmaster there was a man named John Percival, who later became the Bishop of Hereford. And this is what he said of her. Oh. We have a quote. She was a person of remarkable intellectual and social gifts and very unusual attainments. But what specially distinguished her was her rare ability and great knowledge with a certain tender and sympathetic refinement, which constitutes the special charm of the womanly character. (laughs) I mean, we don't hear a lot about female hymn writers or theologians or translators. So this is remarkable. I know, and they deserve to be celebrated. Yes, yes. All right, so let's talk about the words that she came up with. Okay. So we haven't sung the song. Do you want to sing it? That's so weird that I we mean, haven't sung it. Well, I played it on the organ. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think that while we're singing the song with the English words by Catherine Winkworth, we can talk a little bit about the inspiration Because when you read these words, I mean, they are directly from the Bible. Yeah. I love that. Oh, we love when hymns come right from the Bible. Okay. Verse 1. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to his temple draw near. 
Praise Him in glad adoration. I mean, it's so cool. It's full of these harmonies. I mean, we as two voices, we just <laughs> don't do it justice, I right? Know. This needs to be a four-part thing. <laughs> yeah, we can make a quartet of it, Carrie. All right, this hymn is just full of praise. Now, Carrie. Yeah. We have four verses in our hymnal, but the original had seven verses. Okay. And the ones that we have kept are verses one, two, four, and seven. I'm so curious about three, five, and six. (laughs) Like, what was wrong with them? Now, each verse gives glimpses of the character of God. And then it's a call of response from the people of God to praise him. Okay. So we see it in our first verse, God, that we just sang, God is our king and our creator. And we respond with hearing and drawing near to him. And we get that right from Psalm 103.1. What does the Bible <laughs> say? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I mean, honestly, we're talking about like praising God and drawing near to him. Right. I feel like there's millions of verses that you could use. Yeah. But, but like we're pulling from the Psalms. Right. You know, we're pulling from the Psalms. Which is exactly this. what he did. Exactly. All right. So let's read the words to verse two. Okay. And I'll play a little underneath. Okay. Praise to the Lord above all things so wondrously reigning, sheltering you under his wings and so gently sustaining. Have you not seen all that is needful has been sent by his gracious ordaining? Beautiful. What does the Bible say? (laughs) All right. This just reminds me of Psalm 17, verse Mm 8. I mean, listen to this. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Mm -hmm. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Mm -hmm. And following the pattern. The characteristics of God, God is our sustainer and protector, and we respond with seeing his work and remembering all that he has allowed and granted. Mm-hmm. All right, verse three. Praise to the Lord who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do if with his love he befriend thee. What does the Bible <laughs> and we see Psalm 23, verse 6. Yes. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm. And it's characteristic. It says right there, he will befriend us. God is our defender mm-hmm. and our friend. And we respond with meditation about his power and love. I mean, the the hymn says, ponder anew. I love that. All right, finally, verse four, which Mm -hmm. is the original verse seven. (laughs) What's the end? Praise to the Lord. Oh, let all that is in me adore him. All that hath life and breath, come now with praises before him. Let the amen sound from his people again. Gladly, for I, we adore him. What does the Bible say? (laughs) And we can look at Psalms chapter 106, verse 48. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, Mm. and let all the people say, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I mean, this is just a call for everyone. Yeah. Not just the leaders, not just the professionals. It's every single person in the church can respond. And that's Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise Praise the the Lord. Lord. I mean, Kelly, 
these words, this tune. You know, the tune, we didn't really talk about the tune. We don't really know much about it. Mm -mm. It's anonymous. It came from like this 14th century hymn book. A lot of times these hymn tunes that we can't find are probably folk tunes from the area that they all knew so well. And we're the ones who don't know them. And so there was no person who wrote them at the time. And I feel like that other one we sang was probably like that too. All right, so... We told you we had Nathan Drake yes. here. Now, in a little bit, we're going to hear his performance. But right now, we want to show you the interview. Yes. We got a chance to talk to him about his ministry and about this awesome hymn. Right. All right. Let's show the interview. All right. So this is our guy. We actually have him here to talk to us. This Yay. is Nathan Drake of Reawaken Hymns. Yes. From St. Louis, Missouri. All right, hi, Nathan. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Nathan. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Nathan seemed really impressed with the applause. It was that the biggest round of applause you've ever received. <laughs> it was. I'm speechless. I'm just speechless about it. It's because we have a huge crowd of people here. That's right. That's right. They're all watching. All right. So, Nathan, we have been talking about the hymn "Praise to the Lord, the Almighty" with amazing words by Joaquin Neander. So Nathan, you can help okay. us solve a mystery here. <laughs> How do you think we pronounce this hymn writer's name, Wo- Joaquin? I've never said it out loud until this moment, to be honest with you. I, <laughs> I've only read it or wrote it. I've never said it. Right. Why would you This may sound it? weird. I don't often have conversations about the writer of Praise to the Lord. And- <laughs> This is all we do. This is all we do. This is all we do. (laughs) I think from now on, you just call him Joe. It's just Joe. Okay, Joe. Joe. I love that idea. I like that idea. I love it. It's kind of cool. Like Mary's dad was Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Mary's father Joe. So Nathan, what do you do in your everyday life? Like besides discussing hymns with us? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, I do discuss hymns a lot in my everyday life. But that's because my everyday life is reawaken hymns. Um, that's what I do. That's my job. That's my full-time job currently, which is crazy by the way. So basically I take hymns, classic hymns and update them so that modern churches can use them. And so that they fit in modern worship services without sounding like absurdly goofy, Mm -hmm. which a lot of times they do, unfortunately, which is sad because they're amazing songs. Um, it started as like, I was at a church. I wanted to use hymns, couldn't find the ones I wanted. So I created my corn chart, core charts, Uploaded them, people started using them, and it just grew from there. I mean, I get messages from people all over the world. It's so insane um, that are using them in small churches and church plants and all kinds Aww, of stuff. So That's amazing. Great. Now, are you still serving in a local church? I am. Right now, I'm kind of like a chronic interim worship leader. <laughs> <laughs> we need people like you. We do. Yeah. I lead at two churches around St. Louis currently, and then also my wife is a like a vice principal at a Christian school. So I lead the chapel at that school as well. Oh, nice. It's summertime here. So no Christian school worship leading right now? No. Good. Good. So it's a little break. It's a little break. Yeah. Yeah. So I, as I was researching the hymn and researching the many, many different arrangements, I found a quote. I couldn't figure out who wrote the quote, but it was like, you know, another hymn lover or a famous hymnologist said, a great song not just a good song, will work in a million different ways and remain great. That's such a great quote. I know. We love sharing, you know, different versions and different editions and different arrangements. Mm-hmm. I think it's so, it's so great when people can just be creative with, with their 
with their hymns. I and love you, it. And you look at a song that's almost 500 years old right. and you think it shouldn't still be played anymore. It, it It's too old. It's out of date. But if it's a great song, it not only will stand the test of time, but it can be worked in a different in many different ways. And that's what you do, Nathan. So have you always been a hymn lover? Have you been? How did that come about? Uh, no, <laughs> I haven't always been a Christian either. So that, so I definitely wasn't a hymn lover. Um, people call me like a hymn guy. They're like, oh, you're the hymn guy. I'm like, which is the weirdest thing in the world because never in my life would I thought that would be a title I had. It was, <laughs> so I, I became a Christian probably about 10 or so years ago and I started leading worship and I, I never did hymns. I didn't really grow up with hymns. I didn't mm -hmm. hear hymns. I didn't care about hymns. Um, which is actually really good for what I do now because a lot of times I'm hearing them for the first time as new songs, mm. which helps make them into new songs. <laughs> right. So, so you're really entering this with some of the songs, I'm sure, with no like preconceived notions. Right. This is the way it should sound or this is the way I want it to sound. It's just like brand new to you, which I think is really I know an that, awesome approach. That probably helps with your creativity because you're not thinking, you're not coming from the standpoint that everyone else is. Yeah, I think so. So what was the first hymn that you really changed up and, and kind of what started this? Do you have a memory of that? I think probably Come Thou Fount was one of them, if not the first one. Wow, that's uh, a big one. Would be my guess. I didn't start with these with Reawaken Hymns. I started beforehand when I was leading worship in a church. I wanted to use hymns, um, but I wanted to use them kind of as they were written so that everyone could sing along. I didn't want changed melodies or a lot of added choruses and such, which I don't have a problem with. I just didn't want those and I couldn't find a lot. So I started making my own arrangements and that's how the whole Reawaken Hymns thing started. Wow. So it's really about preserving the hymn structure, harmony and melody, but just updating it because you, you like, am I right? Because you just said you wanted people to still sing it and know it. I rarely update melodies. The only time I'll do a new melody is if I cannot find the original right, or right. if the original is really hard to sing or bad. So, so talk to us about when you create something, like what form it takes. Is it books, video, audio? Do you release like CDs? What are people getting with, with Reawaken Hymns? Yes. It's all that? <laughs> so, so it's books? It's all that, yeah. So okay. I, it's my... My primary um, vehicle, I guess, is YouTube, or at least it used to be. I started on YouTube. Um, so it was videos of me playing the hymns, which is also a, a good way for people to learn how to play them because they can watch me doing it. The main place you'll find me is still on YouTube, but I also have a website where I have all of these chord charts and all the resources and stuff. Yeah. Um, and currently the project I'm working on it has 20 hymn arrangements and it'll have a devotional book, it'll have an album, it'll have multi-tracks, it'll have lyric videos, it'll have a chord book, it'll have all this stuff. So your new project is released September 1st. How do you choose the hymns for it? So the new project is called Hymns of the Father, and it's the mm. first of a three-part series. You could probably guess what the next two are. <laughs> uh -huh. Son and Spirit. Hey, Son yeah. and Spirit, I love it. <laughs> so we're doing a Trinity, we call it the Trinity Project. Oh, um, I love It'll be that. 60 hymns total, yeah. It'll be 60 hymns, 20 for each each project. So we're basically taking hymns we've done, some of the hymns we think are kind of the best for modern churches, dividing them into to 
the father, son, and spirit and kind of where it goes. And then each of the books is divided into four attributes, like God, the father, the creator, the God's grace, God, like it's, it's a whole yeah. journey. <laughs> yeah. So this praise the Lord, the almighty is in the first one of God, the father. What's the attribute for, for, for this hymn? Uh, this one is worship. So there's actually, I guess, technically each book has three attributes and then ends in worship okay. as a response. So this is part of the worship section. Amazing. Well, it's it's full of worship. I mean, that's all, I know. It's, that's all it's doing. Yeah. In fact, as we were doing the research about the text, mm -hmm. you know, there wasn't much about the text. It's 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 basically a psalm. It's paraphrasing a psalm. <laughs> yeah. It's praise. Yeah. Sometimes we analyze the text of the hymn and there's so much, you know, that you can analyze and and think of it in a different way. But this is like, OK, we're praising God. That's it. Okay, we're like praising words, God. words that we don't know. Oh, words that like, we don't there's know. nothing. There's yeah. none of that. Well, and then we have Catherine Winkworth right. to thank we for really her. making accessible language. I mean, mm -hmm. the words are just beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about this hymn, why you chose it, what you like about it? Anything about this hymn in particular? Uh, interesting story. This isn't about lyrics itself, but I, I actually just realized this like right now. <laughs> oh, okay. um, when I was in college for worship ministry, I had to take vocal lessons with like a very traditional, like operatic vocal coach right. person. And I only knew modern worship songs. He was like, no, you got to pick old ones. I'm like, okay, I don't know what they are. So I remember he picked, this was one of the two hymns he picked for me and I had no idea what it was. The other was a Balman and Gilead, which <laughs> that I had no idea about, but yeah. So this was one of the hymns. I just realized that. So that's kind of interesting. That was, that this is. was like my first hymn I almost learned, I guess. Right. Anyways. Really? Like formally at least. Yeah. So when did you go and do the schooling for worship leading? I mean, that was after you became a Christian. So that was more recent. That was, uh, very close after I became a Christian. Okay. Um, it was all during college, and I was actually going for photojournalism. Um, and then I became Christian, and I was like, oh, I don't think this is what I'm supposed to do anymore. And I ended up going to Missouri Baptist for worship uh, arts. Missouri Baptist, okay. Yeah. So with your background in photojournalism, I mean, that must help in terms of like creating these videos and the vision of the of what you, how you want it to look. Yeah, I am used to cameras at least, so that's yeah. nice. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the hymn. Okay. Um, there's two lines I love. Uh, they're both the third lines. The In the third verse, the ponder anew what the Almighty can do. I love that one too. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the anew, you know, like sometimes you forget. You right, know? right. And or, it's like the old, old story, but it still is new. Right. Yeah. Right. And whenever you look at God's word, there is something new to learn. You know, people who say, I've read it before. I've already read the book of John or I've already read the book of Psalms. You know, you all, God reveals new things to us in his word mm -hmm. constantly. So I think that's amazing. I know. Can I say my favorite? Yeah, go ahead. Do you, I mean, do, I don't want to take up his time. No, tell us your favorite. Okay. I, bet, I, bet it's my, I bet it's mine. I bet it's my favorite too. Go oh ahead. my gosh. Okay, you tell us first. All right, uh, do you have your second it, one? Is it Let the Amen? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yes. that was the other one I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, if you really look at it through a historical lens, this was right after the Reformation. The church leaders, the church pastors, were the only people really participating in worship. Right. Worship wasn't for the general population. And then all of a sudden, this hymn says, let the people say amen. And you realize that that was a new concept for them. Right. And I love that. I, and I love that Joe you know, put this in his hymn. It's very important. All of you, right. all of us 
can do this. Right. I love that. That's so good. We were talking about it and it's an interesting thing to sing right now in the COVID world. Yeah. Because we've all been out of church for so long. And then we're saying like, let the Amen sound from his people again. And you can almost kind of take it as like, hey, we all get to meet together sometime let yes. now. Like, like, let's do it. Let's let the Amen sound again. Not that we weren't doing so in online worships and stuff. It's just, there's just something about it that's like, okay, here we go. Like, Of course. Of that's course. so interesting that you even say that. Um, so it has this historical context and it has this present day context that makes so much sense. So September 1st, the whole project is available and people can get it from your website, which we will um, we will put all your information in our show notes and share it on social media. And it's on YouTube. How else can people find you? Yeah, reawakenings.com, my website is the biggest way to find me. And then you can Good. find all of the stuff and all the court charts are on there for free and all that kind of thing. Oh, wow. I'm also on YouTube and facebook and i just made an instagram account yesterday so i followed you okay we ah, followed you're one of the first ones yeah i think you only had like nine i was like wow we just got on yeah yeah literally yesterday i made it yeah. all right well thank you so much nathan you know william long was the one who talked to us about you mm -hmm. he's the author and editor of hymns of note we just thank you for what you're doing to mm -hmm. bring this music to the people we don't want hymns to be forgotten. We absolutely love them. Yes. They're just so full of praise and full of worship and full of biblical truth. And we want people singing them. And that's what you're doing. So we just thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Thank thank you. <laughs> well, let's keep in touch on social media. Yeah. yeah. And um, and we'll see how, how what happens next. Right. And we're totally sharing your performance yes. of praise to the Lord, Lord the, the Almighty. Almighty. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.
Nice. Oh, I, there's so many cool things about it. I mean, I think he has a really cool voice. Yes. And I mean, we just heard it on the organ. Right. You know, so that sounded one way. And then you kind of played it on the piano. That sounded right. another way. And then we have his instrumentation, which is just awesome. And that reminds me of how good hymns can be played in a variety of ways exactly. and still be considered good. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys, thanks for hanging with us. We are done for today. Mm-hmm. Kelly, do you have one scripture verse to well, close us out? We thought we would share Neander's final verse. Oh. It was it was on his deathbed just moments before he passed, and he quoted Isaiah 54.10. He says, The mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. And, you know, we know that he spent all this time in the woods, in the mountains, in the caves, and he's remembering the promise of God that those mountains and caves may fall away. Right. But the kindness of God will never. Thank you for listening to Him Talk Twin Talk, where we can share these amazing stories so we can be sure that they don't get forgotten. That's right. And thank you to Nathan Drake, who, in his own work, is doing the same thing. Yes. Yeah, don't forget these hymns. Yes. All right, we'll see you next time. On Him Talk, Twin Talk. Talk. Bye, everyone. Goodbye.